Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 716 with our review of Blonde. I'm Christopher Stacey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about a little film that just came to Netflix. Uh, I mean, it's two weeks ago now, but <laughs> a little while ago. Um, and that is the film Blonde, uh, which is... A biopic of sorts about Marilyn Monroe. So, of course, we have to ask the question, Stephen Miller, what what is your familiarity with Marilyn Monroe? And, uh, yeah, what, what were you carrying yeah. going into this movie? I, I would say my familiarity is fairly cursory. I, I know Marilyn Monroe as the icon, of course. You know, I, I'm familiar with what she meant growing up. I mean, there were references to her everywhere. Like, happy birthday, Mr. President, you know, was a huge cultural you know landmark i of course watched some like it hot so i had seen her as an actress before and then people like marilyn manson people who are taking the name and doing something else with it um but i can't say i have seen a lot of her filmography uh like i've probably seen gentlemen prefer blondes i've definitely seen some like it hot but i haven't seen a lot of what made her an icon and you know i've heard her happy birthday performance uh you know i've heard diamonds are a girl's best friend but i don't think i have a big connection with her output of work you know when she was in the world so much as what she represents like honestly the elton john uh goodbye yellow brick road is like maybe the most i know about her which was just this like outpouring of sympathy for her when she died mm. um it, I, I i mostly know her as a tragic person who died too young not not a whole lot about what her actual career was yeah uh for me like i feel like i've absorbed the happy birthday mr president and the standing on the great dress flipping up from just like popular culture and cartoons over the years um mm -hmm. but yeah, honestly... big looney tunes energy <laughs> they they love to to include her in things but besides that i feel like i have just completely avoided marilyn monroe altogether you know just by happenstance um so i knew nothing about this film or the the person that this film is portraying other than the fact that this was going to be a streaming film that was NC-17. Um, and like that was like all I knew. I was like, all right, whatever. I guess we're going to watch this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I walked in kind of carrying nothing into what I was about to view. Um, so like I was leaning pretty heavily on this film to tell me anything about Marilyn Monroe. And uh, yeah, I, well, we'll get into it in a bit about whether or not this film did anything to tell me about her <laughs> yeah it, it certainly is not historically accurate that was something that i'd heard going in a, a lot was made of the fact that this movie takes liberties are almost too gentle a word like this movie invents much of her life uh, so i can't gotcha. say i went in hoping to know much about her but i did hope to at least learn what she meant to the culture like like something about how she was viewed even if maybe not her interior life gotcha Cool. Um, well, Stephen, you ready? You ready to get into this? Yep, I'm ready. All right, let's uh, let's take a listen to the trailer for Blonde, and then come back and give everyone a review. 
This Monroe, it's time. you get your start? Maybe. What start? In movies. Continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. Men broke home as girls. I know you're supposed to get used to it. And we all lose our job. I've played Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe. I can't face doing another scene with Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn doesn't exist. I come out of my dressing room. I'm Norma Jean. I'm still hurt when the camera's rolling. Marilyn Monroe only exists on the screen. All right, so that was the trailer for Blonde, a uh, biopic of sorts about Marilyn Monroe. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Blonde? Uh, so, first of all, I just want to say I watched Blonde a week ago, and I feel like I watched it 20 years ago. <laughs> so I'm going to try to, you know, remember it more. Um, so, okay, this is the kind of movie that I am known to go for on the podcast, which is a singular vision that commits 100%. It's stylish. Everyone involved is utilizing their craft well and being fully invested in the movie. It is something that is putting the audience through an experience and doesn't care how you feel. It knows what story it wants to tell, and it tells it. And I hate it. I hate it so goddamn much. Uh, I, I really, really, really hated this movie, even though... Everything about my brand is that I respect when I see the craft involved and find a way to love it. And this is one of those things where all the craft in the world, all of the style just can't salvage the fact that I find the movie gross and oppressively boring and very one note. Um, this movie, it feels like a Darren Aronofsky movie. Or when it's being nicer, it feels like a Terrence Malick movie. Like, it's like a grand, here is life, let us show you, fully stylized, let's soak in the world, let's fully immerse you. And it isn't like a cheap imitation. Like, it's, those scenes feel really well done and really moving, and I hate what they are trying to move you towards. <laughs> because the, hmm. the premise of this movie... Forget the fact that a real Norma Jean Baker or Marilyn Monroe exists. Like I mentioned in the intro, there was a lot of talk when this movie came out 
about how it invents much of her life whole cloth, how it is not really a biopic. And there was a lot of controversy about it being exploitative to her memory and the things it implies that are not true, the childhood it makes up, like things that feel, you know, unfair to the memory of someone who's gone. That didn't really bother me. Like, I'm fine with people inventing stuff for a movie or for a book. Like, I'm kind of notoriously okay with people bending the truth if it gets a point across. I just think the point this movie is trying to get across is so, like, unimaginative. Like, Anna de Armas is... She's probably going to get a lot of nominations for this movie, probably a lot of awards. And I think... If you measure someone by how well they're doing what they were told to do, she probably earned it. Like, she <laughs> definitely inhabits this character of Norma Jean slash Marilyn. But what she's being told to do is be, like, completely one-dimensional. It is a woman who, at her core, is just suffering. She's traumatized because of her childhood, and now she's mentally fragile. She pretends to be this you know, sex kitten, confident icon to mask the fact that she doesn't know who she is on the inside. And that is all she ever gets to be for three fucking hours is unhinged, unstable, a little girl who never got to grow up, someone who wants to be a mom, who all this like really creepy pro-life you should happens to like three (laughs) separate times in the movie. Um, (laughs) It is so like one dimensional and shallow and empty it makes the hours of flagellating her just feel like i'm watching like torturing of a puppy or something like there there's nothing that i find like interesting or revealing about this movie it's just like yeah it sucks it really oh you're gonna do something else that sucks to her now yeah i hate that oh you're gonna do this to her now wow i hate that too wow i hate all of this And none of it is a true story, so it's not like a documentary where I'm like, well, it is important that I learned about this terrible thing that happened, even though I hate it. Like, this isn't Shoah, you know, or whatever. This is like, you invented... I'm sure the real Norma Jean had a lot of trauma in her life. She lived a very troubled life. But this movie is inventing whole cloth most of the bad things that happened to her making a fake character that has no ability to learn from or react or do anything but be broken and then it's like watch it look at it look at it look at it and i just i i just fucking hate it <laughs> like yeah. i don't i don't know why this movie was made and i don't know who it's supposed to impress or what it's supposed to reveal to the world it just seems like a waste of everyone's very strong talent so that was that was how i felt about this movie that i barely remember <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think you, I think you summed it up nicely. All I'm going to do is just rant and probably just drive people away if I keep talking about it. But I'm going to do it anyways. Um, so, if I could take you back to uh, 2015, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Boyle and Aaron Sorkin made a little film about an iconic uh, person who really existed, yep. um, and they they did something that was kind of interesting. They boiled down this person, this person being Steve Jobs, Danny Boyle. They're <laughs> Danny, Danny boiled down Steve Jobs into three moments in this man's life with the release of three products that he was sort of responsible for uh, for releasing, um, you know, and 
I thought that was a genius way to portray the life of somebody to to boil them down to who they were at these three moments and sure. kind of get an idea for the drive of what this person was. I didn't care how accurate or not that film was. I thought it was a brilliant way to tell that specific story and a really, really entertaining film. Uh, this film seems like they wanted to boil Marilyn Monroe down to three men and three babies, <laughs> or mm-hmm. I should say potential babies. And I don't, I don't know if that's a good way to tell this story. Um, I, it, it, it was baffling to me. What like so? First of all, I had a feeling I was not going to like this film. About ten minutes into it, just the acting style, everything that was happening in that scene, the shifts of color and mm-hmm. uh, visual, whatever it was trying to do, I was like, okay, this is a film where the filmmaker is being very, very loud, and it doesn't seem to be for anything. It just seems to be them trying to be stylish, whether it's like the weird fisheye camera on the front of the car or different angles of different shots. And like I said, jumping between black and white and color and all these different moments. And it, it like within 10 minutes of this film, it was grating on me so much that I wasn't even trying to try and understand any potential metaphor for for what it was supposed to be doing or is can I think about uh you know like it's it's not like I'm watching Westworld and I'm trying to figure out if we're in reality or not based on the aspect ratio of the film it was just kind of like it's doing it again <laughs> it's doing mm-hmm. it again okay it's doing it again and I really just I didn't understand what I was looking at and I was kind of like oh I'm I'm going to be in for a long movie and I paused it once again, like 10, 15 minutes in. And then I realized I had three movies worth of movies still to get through. And I knew that, you know, you joked about how it feels like you saw this film 20 years ago. For me, it felt like I watched this film for 20 years trying to get through it. Yeah. All that being said, I still didn't, I hated this movie like you, like, and not in the fun way, like how I disliked the ending of Don't Worry Darling. And it was like, I was really enjoying the film. And then they crashed the plane at the end. And I was like, what the fuck did I see? And I had fun trying to rip apart what didn't make sense don't worry darling is like inception (laughs) compared to this (laughs) but it's like watching this film i just didn't understand why we're and also this is a film that's trying to i guess kind of be a biopic but it skips from child who gets taken away from her mother all the way to i'm already marilyn monroe Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and like I don't understand, like, she wasn't a little blonde girl. Like, there, there's, a, there's a scene in this film where she's talking to, like, the family of the man she is currently married to at that point in time. And everybody's like, oh, is the hair, is the hair real? And she's like, no, it isn't. And I was like, okay, so something in your life happened. Like, there was a decision you made at some point to go blonde <laughs> and become Marilyn Monroe. But we've just skipped already to it. I guess technically we skipped to her very first meeting <laughs> with somebody and i guess that is her becoming it's it's weird um but it's like it's like i don't you haven't brought me on board with who this character is we meet her as a child and as marilyn monroe and we see her like it's like oh she had a she had a quote crazy mother and now she seems to have issues of some sort and that's all this film is trying to portray and then the weirdest thing to me is for three hours you were going to give me a character who constantly just wants to be seen as a person, not as a piece of meat. And the filmmaker is just treating her like a piece of meat. Like you can't ogle her. And like, like 90% of this film is 
just a close-up of her face, like just staring at her as close as you can possibly be. And then the other 10% is her nude. Your message of the film is why couldn't the world see her as a person, but yet this filmmaker will not see her as a person, just wants to tell us she was crazy, and it's okay because her mom was crazy first. And then <laughs> it's like, what do you? what is the message of this film even trying to do? I, and then any interaction she has with a man, it's like the next scene, they're married or in a relationship, but there was no, there's no, I don't understand how they're meeting. It's almost like they were just put in the same place at the same time and told you should date. Like, I think one of the characters, I couldn't even tell if they were joking about they were in a relationship just for show. Like it, it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in this film where supposedly Marilyn Monroe gave the most brilliant acting performance in her life. People are crying. It was just so amazing. How could she read this part? Just just a little read through of the script. Uh, and it was just like, oh my God, this, this is the most beautiful, amazing performance that's ever existed. The filmmaker doesn't show any of that. <laughs> it, it's literally, she takes a breath, cut to everybody crying. And it's like, right. this is the one chance you had to show us that this character version of her was more than just the blonde who could sing and play dumb in these movies. But you skip over that. And the thing that I always like, I like to compare it to is, is uh, there's a scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where uh, it's a scene where, where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has to like do that scene and that little girl leans over to him and was like, that was the best acting I've ever seen in my life. Right. That scene, he does good in that scene. Like you see him perform in the way that these characters are, are talking about it. And it's like, okay, cool. That was an amazing performance. I believe it was like mostly one unbroken cut of him doing that performance. And it's like, he's showing off there. That's fun. But like cutting and skipping over this performance of this character and then just cutting to people crying, especially when the line right before that is like, not my whoever the character is. And, and then smash cut to, oh my God, she was amazing. It was, I, I just didn't understand why we couldn't even get a chance to let like Anadarmus like show some chops in that moment and kind of just get to actually make us all cry. But I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, this movie, it it is uh, again, like my problem with it ran even so much deeper than what it is doing to the real, you know, Norma Jean slash Marilyn Monroe. But when you think about it, it is outrageous because it is, it is claiming it is implying, look, the world mistreated her, they abused her, they only saw her as an object. And then it is taking, like, every detail of her life that you could even find in Wikipedia that give her some interiority and just cutting it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, like, her film career was, you know, massive. Like, she, w- she was a mega star, and she made a production company, and she, like steered the industry into making movies that would give her better roles than the things she was being typecast for. In this movie, like, her acting is basically a version of mania. Like, like she is just, like, has to become Marilyn, you know, get as drugged out as she can so Marilyn will be coaxed out and then point a camera at her and hope you get something good. Like, it yada, yada, yada's over Some Like It Hot, which is considered, like, maybe the best comedy of all time, which she is in. <laughs> like, it takes moments where she like acted in an arthur miller play and it makes it be like we don't get to see her act we don't get to see her be intelligent like there 
it is very weird. It, it is very, very weird that this movie only wants her to be suffering. It doesn't want her to have any joy in her life. It doesn't want her to have accomplishment in her life. And the moment she is happy in any way, the movie, as far as I can tell, invents from nowhere the idea that there's a baby inside of her and whoopsie-daisy, now there isn't. Like, yeah. it is... um. It's really fucking weird. And I know it, it's based on a novel by Joyce Carol Oates. I have to hope that novel has like first person monologues and there's like an interiority that would make it make more sense because this this version feels leering and exploitative and yeah. boring on top of it. Like the worst combination. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's yeah, I I. Yeah, th this is one of those things where, like, I, I know the weekend this came out, there were, like, two things we were trying to consume, and you were gone that weekend. And I, if it was just a normal weekend, where it was, like, I didn't, like, I didn't know when you, basically, I thought about just bailing on this movie, like, about mm -hmm. an hour into it, but I was, like, if Steven finds time to watch this amidst all the other crap he's got going on, I have to finish this for him for the podcast. <laughs> I, I almost watched this on a plane. Uh, I didn't ultimately, but I came very close. Yeah. What I did actually is I woke up the following morning at like 6 a.m. And I was like, I'm just going to watch all of Blonde before work. <laughs> it is a bad headspace to get into. I don't recommend it. Yeah. And, and I think, too, that was I think one of the this film's biggest crimes is that because of how boring it is it's almost hard for me to feel sympathetic for her character where it's kind of like, I just, I'm, I'm so beaten down by it that I just don't care anymore. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like, as you said, it's like, it's like, Oh yeah, they're doing something shitty, shitty to her again. That sucks. But I, I can't, I can't get into it in a way that makes me feel her. Like I, I just am like, okay, what, whatever, just keep, is this movie almost done? This feels like we're getting close to a done time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, can we get there? Yeah, well, because it's all voyeuristic. Like even to this invented fictional character that they've made, this fictional Marilyn Monroe, all she is inside when she like wanders in front of people is like, like, are you daddy? Like she's so fuck. <laughs> like there's nothing there in this depiction of her, and it is very, very, very like. I feel uncomfortable watching the movie. Yeah. You know, I, I sympathize with her in the way you sympathize with the little girl at the start of this movie, which is like, oh, you must be really scared. I wish an adult would help you. You know, the movie doesn't <laughs> let her not grow beyond that. Exactly. Yeah. I wish an adult who's not your mother would help you. Um, <laughs> you did mention the kind of stylish, but why question like the black and white, the fisheye cameras, things like that. I think it was obviously way overdone, but I would have liked that stuff if it were in a better movie. Like, yeah. like it is clearly trying to like recreate famous photos and famous photography styles and things like that of the era, and it's doing it all wonky. Like it, you know, it's cranking it to eleven. But if I had liked the movie at all, I would be pointing to those things and be like, "Man, I love when a filmmaker takes risks like that. I love when they <laughs> put themselves into it." And now, because I hated it, I'm just like you, arrogant motherfucker. Why yeah. did you? Why did you waste my time doing all that? Yeah. Also, <laughs> the like I don't know if the real Norma Jean, Marilyn Monroe, ever ever knew more about who her father was, <laughs> but like 
This is the most grating thing. Like you and I have been joking about, uh, you know, times in House of the Dragon when characters could really, you know, fix situations by just saying the truth out loud or saying what they're thinking instead of like trying to be ambiguous about it. They're the dumbest scene of this film. <laughs> It's when she's going up to her, she's going up to her room expecting one person to be there and then somebody else is there. And then I was very, very confused when that's like the next scene is when she starts calling all the men in her life, daddy. And and I'm like, yeah, is is there a line being drawn or is this just coincidental or did I fall asleep and I just woke up and was like, I was in a a supposed daddy scene and now I'm just singing a different daddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and not to you know, spoil this unspoilable movie, <laughs> but um, <laughs> daddy does come full circle by the end um, <laughs> into yet another one of these men, um, which again, completely made up. All of this is completely made up. Like they're yeah. not even like taking a real thing and being like, wow, look at this button we can put on the movie. It's just, as far as I know, Marilyn Monroe was never in a relationship with, um, you know, Chaplin, Dude, um, <laughs> as, as far as I know, her history, other than the fact that she had a difficult childhood, there is nothing at all known about things her mother did to her or anything like that. Um, most of the events in this movie are not based on any kind of like record of a traumatic thing that happened to her. Uh, it, it is all just invented in a way that is really, really weird. This isn't like after her death, they found a diary and then they turned it into a movie like, oh, no, my God, I, I mean, they know she she did live a very, you know, difficult life. Right. And, and for sure, she was abused and taken advantage of. I mean, in in that time and place with her fame being a sex symbol, you can only imagine the horrific thing that men did to her. But yeah. the details that this movie leers on are like not real, <laughs> which is just. <laughs> It's this weird, like, savior complex where I feel like the dude is, you know, I I take back everything I ever said about Olivia Wilde, like, draping herself in feminism. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This guy, he is basically like, look at what the world did to you. Let me save you. And meanwhile, he is the one heaping abuse, like, imaginary abuse on this person and lingering on it. It, it, It's just, like, such a weird, like, stop hitting yourself mentality when it comes to... What should be a very serious subject, but it, like it's weird that this is an NC-17 movie that features many triggering scenes, and none of us are talking about how traumatized we were. We're talking about how boring and stupid <laughs> and badly made it was. Yeah. And I think that is maybe damning of us, but I think it's more damning of the movie that it never feels real for a second. It yeah. never even gets to the point where it can be painful because it's just such a slog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, I can't even feel sympathetic towards the scenes i'm watching because i'm just so bored out of my mind and wanting mm-hmm. it to end and uh and this film is not there like it just it just constantly resets right like it's like there's a man there's potentially a baby reset <laughs> there's a man there's potentially a baby reset and then i'm like it, it, i think i think this might just go on forever i might i might yeah. not get out of this movie this, this might just be my life now as i'm stuck here <laughs> yeah this is, is basically mother if mother were like a total piece of shit because <laughs> um, <laughs> you know like mother is this like 
self-contained fever dream where it's just like heaping abuses on a woman and it hints that it is cyclical yeah Um, and this basically feels like that but they're like play it three times (laughs) and i and i didn't even like mother but at least i understood what mother was doing right (laughs) at least it had an ethos yeah it was like it was like okay you're just gonna do the whole bible got it Mm -hmm. i i i know when we get to revelations i know we're about to wrap up (laughs) yeah yeah whereas blonde is just doing what the scene the snippets about hell over and over again (laughs) it's a very limited bible yeah i i just oh man but yeah Yeah, uh rough rough sit maybe the roughest sit of the year for me in terms of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's 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 definitely true um Something else we're going to talk about is maybe a close second. <laughs> Look, I thought bros was fine. <laughs> you know I'm not talking about bros. I know, I know. But uh, but yeah, uh, should we get to verdicts, Stephen? Sure. All right. If you're going to give us a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, must-avoid. Even though it's well-made, I can't make it a caveat because this movie just is not there's no reason to ever watch it (laughs) yeah i just think it's it's a terrible movie yeah um it's must avoid for me as well uh i could not stand this movie um so yeah that's it uh (laughs) that's gonna be a review of blonde steven miller people want to find you that the week where can they do that uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, we got a few more reviews to record tonight, so we're going to head off and do that. Um, but uh, yeah, take care, everybody, and uh, hope you avoided watching Blonde. <laughs> Bye.